podcast of the San Francisco chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America. Our chapter is made up of 1,000 members in over a dozen issue-based and internal-facing committees where the heart of our organizing happens. This is a praxis-centered podcast where we talk about the tactics and strategies of winning socialism with the organizers who plan and implement them. I'm Tyler Breisacher, a member of the San Francisco chapter, and today we're talking with Patrick and Blake of the Anchor Union about their new contract, which was approved last month. All right, welcome to the podcast. Thank, Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Um, first, can you just tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, how long you've been working at Anchor, um, and what you do there? Uh, I am Patrick Markle, uh, one of the bartenders that works at Anchor Public Taps. been working there since November 2017. Started off as a bar back and worked my way up to become a bartender and do all this organizing stuff. <laughs> uh, my name is Blake Dahlstrom. I am also a bartender at Anchor Public Taps. I started working at Anchor in June 2018, so almost two years now, and yeah, I got involved, both Patrick and I got involved late in the organizing process, but we were both on the bargaining committee to help organize our contract. Cool. Yeah, and if people want to know more about that um, organizing drive, we actually did an episode on that last February, so look for the episode entitled Anchor Drink-In. Um, which was about the organizing that was happening and the time that a whole bunch of DSA people showed up and drank a lot of beer and chanted, and it was very fun. <laughs> um, so uh, the big news now, of course, is that you've actually won your contract. So can you tell us a little bit about the contract negotiation process? Um, how many people were on the bargaining team? How does that work? Definitely. Um, so we originally... Both Patrick and I are part of the bar side of things, Um, and then there's the brewery warehouse production side. Originally, Anchor wanted to separate the two, and we had two separate elections. There's about 10 people on the bar side, about 30 to 40 people in the warehouse production bargaining units side. Um, And we eventually just came together. We have a total of six people on the bargaining committee. after we both won our elections, we did one big contract, which was great. So we were just all of us sitting at the bargaining table. It was me and Patrick representing public taps and then four other uh, guys from the brewery in production representing their different departments on the warehouse side. So yeah, we started negotiating back in May and we finished our contract in December, which seems like a long time, but it for contract negotiation purposes it was super quick and we were we were very fortunate on a lot of levels yeah yeah uh we also like developed relationships with the bosses that were like pretty much on the other side of the table and i think that was a big reason why it was going so streamlined fast is because they started to understand like okay like these are valid concerns like now we just got to work on a way to actually implement them with anchor too i man anchor management was very 
accommodating to a lot of our requests. I think they saw because of the campaigning that we did right at the beginning of our election campaign to become a union, they saw the benefit in branding themselves as union beer. I think we kind of scared mm-hmm. the living crap out of them <laughs> uh, with all of our drink-ins. Again, I, I encourage you to listen to that last episode from February because um, it was a different time, a different mm-hmm. chapter. But now that we're here and we have a signed contract, uh, I think it's because, and the reason why we got to where we're at with such a strong contract in such a short amount of time was because Anchor realized through the social media push that the entire community of San Francisco and beyond Mm -hmm. supported us in that they see an an actual marketing benefit for calling themselves a new fear. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually, sorry, I was actually talking to one of our coworkers, John, and he was basically like, yeah, you guys scared them and you sold, probably sold more beer because of that campaign than they have ever done in all their marketing. Like if you look up Anchored NSF, we literally hijacked their marketing hashtag and blew it up to just be union related stuff to whatever we were doing. Yeah, we did a lot of a lot of pressure campaigns right off the get go in the very beginning. That I think really when we finally got down to sit down at the bargaining table with them and talk about the real issues, they were more accommodating to us because they knew that the community would be on our side, the world would be on our side, history would be on our side <laughs> right. if they decide to push back. So I think, I, you know, to only 12% of union campaigns actually end up in a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, there's statistics show that unionizing is terrifying and there's a, like, you have to, if you Google unions in general, you have to get to the third Google page before you find anything productive or positive to say about unions. There's so much anti-union propaganda, lots of scare tactics, but I think that we had such a strong campaign and such a good amount of support from the get-go through DSASF. Mm -hmm. Hats off to you guys. You guys really were such a big, big push in our unionizing campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, like just having that kind of support really got 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 us to have a really strong first contract. Nice. Um, well, let's actually talk a little bit about the contract itself. Um, what uh, what's in the contract that's better than what you had before? A lot of stuff. Uh, we wanted just stronger communication between us and what was going on up top, and I think that was a big uh, push that we tried to get. Like we have. Uh, something called a workplace safety and safety committee workplace safety committee and I think development or something workplace like that development safety there we go. committee. there yeah. you go that's cool. what it is and essentially this is like a quarterly like thing where you have three people on the union side and about three or four people on management side to kind of just talk over what's going on like the safety concerns of what's going on like I don't know like cross training like new positions or something like just any it's kind of just in the ballpark of whatever as long as the workplace committee that's there like figures out what they want to talk about um and we added like designated training designated training which we didn't have at first it was kind of just like they threw you in there and figure it out with everybody else um there was we got immigrant rights in there we got uh paid lunch breaks which is like unheard of i guess that's what their lawyer was saying to us but we've had it before, so we wanted to put it back in there. That was one of, um, so when we were negotiating our contract and talking with our other bargaining unit members, because again, there's only six of us that are sitting at the table actually hashing out the details. 
but we're just representatives of what the people want. Um, so the three things we came down to when we were at the bargaining table, the three things that mattered most to people were paid lunch periods because we mm-hmm. had them back in the day. When Fritz Maytag was in charge of Anchor Steam, he's basically what made Anchor Steam what it is today. Um, he treated his employees super well, so well to the point where we still have employees that work there for 20, 30 years. They're still working there today. So they remember what it's like to have these employee benefits, like paid lunch periods. So when they were taken away a few years back, it's still resonating. It's still one of the top issues. So paid meal periods, wages, and what was the third one? Vacation time Vaca- for part-timers. Vacation time mm-hmm. for part-timers. So we wanted to, we have a lot, like in San Francisco, as you know, it's a very expensive city to live in. And as much as we love the Affordable Care Act, there are provisions that create management to, if you work 30 hours a week, they have to provide you benefits. Mm -hmm. So what's happening right now in San Francisco is everyone that I work with and I know in the bar industry and the hospitality industry, and even in the production side too, we're all, they keep us at 29.6 hours because they don't want to have to offer us benefits. So with our contract, the thing that was most important to me was giving benefits to part-timers. So we got vacation accrual time for part-timers um, and uh, time and a half on holidays. Mm-hmm. So part-timers always are the ones who work the holidays. Right. Um, and then we also got a somewhat of a, a pathway from part-time to full-time. It's very loose language, which we can always build on in three mm-hmm. years when our contract is up. Mm-hmm. But Basically, instead of having part-timers have to work two different jobs, 60 to 70 hours a week with no benefits, we want to give our part-timers an opportunity to go from 29.6 hours to 40 hours and work one job and have benefits and be able to have a livable wage in San Francisco. Right. And that, and I think that was one of the telling things whenever we got to actually like bargaining about healthcare mm-hmm. is we wanted healthcare for everybody. But because we're stuck at these um, part-time hours that we felt that it was a better decision to put more uh, effort into getting higher wages and trading off and getting vacation time because that's something you could see as a part-timer right away. Because mm-hmm. no matter if you're like working like barely enough hours, people still want to take vacation to go home and stuff like that. Sure. And that's paid time. Um, also, like... This is one of the cool things about the ILWU is that they gave us, they didn't tell us, they said it would be a good idea to do that, like put part-timers into that whole healthcare thing. But we felt as workers that it would benefit the workers more if we could cross that line down the line a little bit more, down the road a little bit more, and just give them stuff that they could use right away or they could see right away. And just to clarify for people who are not, uh, who have not organized or set at a bargaining table yet. Um, basically what Patrick is referring to is the, the, the negotiation part of like, okay, what is your mo- your biggest priorities? What are you willing to sacrifice? Cause that is, that was probably, that's probably the hardest thing when it comes to bargaining is because we all want healthcare. We all want accrued vacation. We all want paid holidays. We all want wage increases. We all want all of these things, but you have to prioritize what, is best for your workers right now. And again, going into your first contract, it's your worst contract. They will tell you that over and over and over again. Your first (laughs) contract is your worst contract. It's the biggest blow for the company. I mean, I think we, it's like, like anywhere between like half a mil or a million dollars that anchor is gonna have to pay more a year now 
just for this contract that we mm-hmm. created somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, so but it's a big, it's a big it. blow to the company as well. So you have to kind of figure out like, okay, do we want, do we want healthcare or do we want accreditation time or do we want wage increases or do we want paid lunch periods or do we want, so you just kind of have to like feel up your bargaining unit and see where they all feel like what is most important to them. I was just going to say we should mention, because I don't think we said this at the beginning, that Anchor is now owned by Sapporo. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when you're talking about an extra half a million dollars or whatever it is, there is this like huge parent company that can probably afford that. Yeah, they can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've got the funds, and they bought, they bought Anchor for a really low amount as well. They bought it for $85 million, which for the first craft brewery, if not in California, if not in the country, um, that's... That's very low in in, in the yeah, in industry, standard, industry in, standards. In comparison, Lagunita sold out to not sell out, but like <laughs> uh, was sold to Heineken for five hundred million. Okay. So that like shows like we're both kind of we're not the same like type of beer, but we both kind of came through the same channels of like craft brewing and stuff like that, and you could see the big difference of like what we were bought for for like a bargain and Sapporo is a multi-billion dollar conglomerate they don't just do beer they do like uh like fruits like real estate like juices they do everything also it's worth noting every single uh entity owned by Sapporo is unionized we we would be the exception to the rule if we did not unionize Sleeman Brewery is unionized all our stuff back in Japan is unionized so yeah, just got to jump on board with, with all the other unions, I guess. It's a cool thing to do. All the cool kids are doing it. That's what I hear. <laughs> um, speaking of which, do you have any advice for other workers, maybe at other craft breweries or just whatever type of workplace, who are thinking about organizing, thinking about forming a union for the first time? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say don't be afraid. Uh, for me kind of my come to age story in the labor movement was I was originally going to vote no for the union because being on the bar side of things, being a bartender for 12 years, the status quo is you're a part-time tipped employee. And I read dozens of contracts. I could not find any precedent whatsoever for a bar unionizing. And it scared, it scared me. And one day a light bulb went off for me and I was like, there's no precedent. Let's create precedent. <laughs> Let's create a roadmap. So, and that, like, immediately I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this, I want to do it right, and I want to be involved in the bargaining committee. So I immediately got involved, and it has been the most rewarding and most exciting experience creating a roadmap for other people. I mean, we're not just doing this for anchor employees. We're doing this for other hospitality people, people who, yeah. who think, like, I'm, I, my industry, my industry <clears throat> doesn't have to, that's not a union industry. It's not a, it's not tech it's not a factory job it's not it's not a, a city job mm-hmm. like there's no there's no reason for us to, to unionize but when it comes to unionizing you just have to have an imagination like imagine a world where you only have to work one job you get paid a livable wage you get benefits you get a chance you're no longer an at-will employee so they can't fire you without proving their case mm-hmm. like in a court of law like you have that job security like there's it's stuff in my mind that i never even thought was possible and the second that i opened up my mind to that possibility it was 
it was a dream come true. We made it happen. Yeah. Uh, my word of advice is probably to figure out who the leaders are in your workplace, become friends with them, and try and convince them that this is a good idea, pretty much going off of what Blake said, like these are the reasons why. And once you get the leaders in charge of what, or not in charge, but once you get the leaders on board, everybody else kind of follows them. You, mm-hmm. you could figure out pretty easily, like, who, like, whatever, what these leaders do, like, pe- the people will follow them. You know what I mean? Like, on whenever I was organizing over at the bar, um, most of the people over there were going to vote no. And we got called into this, like, a month before the election went public. So what I saw was just, like, just meet with people all the time. Like, I was doing school at the same time. I was also working at a coffee shop up the street. Uh, shout out to Farley's. Um, and I was still trying to find time to make sure that we got this vote, like, ready to go. Because if, if we didn't do it, then, like, it would have messed up everything. But after talking to people and trying to figure out, like, what positives we can get out of this compared to what negatives if we mm-hmm. lost this election then a lot of people started to come around and also the whole thing like we've never done this before let's just make history with it yeah yeah and i was kind of thinking like okay now there's this union craft brewery maybe mm-hmm. other craft breweries will follow suit but i didn't think oh, they about are. Yeah. they are oh cool yeah so the great thing about working on the bar side of things at anchor public taps is we are the front line of defense for supporters coming in Mm -hmm. so you know we have people coming in from all over the world every day i've had uh customers have come in from chicago some uh, and from new york some from from really prominent well-known breweries that we all know and they're all talking about organizing because of what we're doing Mm -hmm. there's there's breweries in the city there's restaurants they're they're looking at our blueprint they're looking and seeing like oh you can do this Mm -hmm. and also i think i'm hoping Managements elsewhere are also saying this and seeing like how much you can benefit your business by calling yourselves union made. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's we had we had people ready to well, right right before our contract got officially <laughs> ratified, we had people like waiting on the phones. Okay, is it ratified yet? Is it ratified? We're yeah, ready to right, put in our right. Christmas order because it was right before ah, the holidays. Nice. Yeah. We well, got, good we timing got, then. Yeah, right? we ratified our contract on December twentieth. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was. Yeah. the the community supporters made. We had one. I had one customer. This is during the election campaign. He came in, and like he he extended his layover in San Francisco to at least six hours so he could leave the airport, come and support our union campaign, and have a beer in the bar, and then get back on his flight and travel elsewhere. Like that kind of support, it just it tickles my soul. Like it's one of my favorite favorite parts about this whole organizing campaign. Right. And it sounds like it's inspiring not just craft breweries, but other restaurants, bars, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that's awesome. Um, and we're here to talk to any of you who are interested. Yes, definitely. Um, so in in addition to reaching out to you directly, what can people do if they want to show their support? Um, you know, last year there was this big poster campaign and stickers and stuff like that. Um, what can they do now to either show their support or just kind of keep tabs on what's happening with the union um you could follow the hashtag anchored in sf uh our like our managers might not like it they tried to say (laughs) that it was their intellectual property but nobody owns hashtags so keep using it uh post that you're drinking the beer like follow i mean we're pretty active on reddit we 
post a lot in beer or our beer and like craft beer and stuff like that uh instagram anchor union facebook anchor it's pretty easy to find us but Mm -hmm. i mean reaching out to any type of social media we're pretty active in responding back to people on those kinds of things yeah right now our focus now that our contract is done we're we're kind of like doing in-house keeping focusing on getting all of our employees we're like comfortable with the new contract so what you guys can do as communities come see us come support us at anchor public taps ask for patrick and i we're there all the time um but yes social media is probably the biggest tool right now um social media was the biggest tool in our election campaign it's what's going to keep us fresh in the news and fresh on the map and keep people engaged so continue to use those hashtags we have a an anchor union facebook page as well um and stay like follow those because we also we're going to continue to do drink-ins drink-ins were very successful for us throughout our campaign throughout our contract negotiation and for those of you who don't know what drink-ins are definitely listen to the february podcast but basically we just throw a happy hour like a happy hour event where everyone who wants to support us comes into the tap room and it's just a big show of solidarity we do a couple chants and just get to meet people from all all different backgrounds who support union efforts um so we'll we'll continue to be doing those throughout the year just to keep community support and nice also who doesn't like to drink beer for who needs an excuse to drink beer yeah if you like (laughs) beer uh it's probably the most fun and easiest thing you'll ever be asked to do for dsa (laughs) uh is to come to the drink in and drink and chant (laughs) (laughs) um do you also have your own social media that you want people to follow on for you personally if you want to put it out there I mean, you can follow my Instagram at laidbackpatrick, but really I don't do anything except post things about my car and my dog. All right. So... <laughs> um, people like cars and dogs. Cool. I'm, not super, I'm not super active on social media, but my social media is hashtag BlakeAshleyD. Um, if you want to you wanna reach out to me personally, I'd love to hear from you. Great. Anything else you want to add about the union or the contract or anything else? Believe in yourself. Believe in your workers and don't do no harm. Yep. An injury to one is an injury to all. Great. I think that's a great place to end it. Thank you so much for being on Report Back. Cool. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for having us. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. We have over 120 chapters in 49 states. We're an activist organization, not a political party. To become a member, go to dsausa.org. To find out what our local chapter is up to, visit dsasf.org. If you're interested in organizing your workplace or helping to build the workers' movement in the Bay Area, you can get in touch with the chapter's labor organizing committee by emailing labor at dsasf.org. Our intro music is by Young.